0: Creator God, you remind us that the darkness of ignorance and doubt cannot overcome your life-giving word. May your Holy Spirit, who first inspired these words of Scripture, shine your light and once again awaken us to the hearing and living of this radiant truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 5 through 15. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you, and in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to the darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads, and my highways will be raised up. See, they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Now, our New Testament lesson is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, the first five verses. This will be familiar. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning.
1: Our Advent Sermon Series is titled, Savior on the Scene. And uh, to accompany our experience of walking through the expectation of the one bringing the Lord's salvation, I've uh, put together some daily devotions that follow the sermon series. They are printed out. There's a regular version and a, a larger large print version that is available to you out on the Welcome Center table in the main hallway. Feel free to take one. It begins today uh, and continues through the end of Advent, which is the fourth Sunday of Advent, which happens to also be Christmas Eve. It's a remarkably short season this year because the fourth Sunday uh, begins in the morning, and we have a service in the morning on December 24th, and then Advent ends pretty much at sundown that same day. Uh, The fourth week is very short and then gives way to the celebration of the Savior's birth on the evening of December 24th. We begin with the end in mind. Advent begins with our looking forward to Christmas. Christmas. And on that Christmas Eve service, we will sing Christmas carols that have been composed for that occasion. And one of the great songs that often is sung by a congregation, but perhaps even more often by a soloist, is O Holy Night. The words sing out, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth we celebrate the birth of a Savior on Christmas. The birth of a Savior, as announced by the angels to the shepherds in the Bethlehem hills, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Born to you is a Savior. He is the Messiah, the Lord. During Advent, we're going to explore the meaning of the Savior, what salvation means through scenes in Scripture. And we begin with perhaps the central concept of salvation in the church's observance of Advent, and that is light in the darkness. Advent always begins in the darkness. The scene for the entrance of the Savior of the world, entering the world, is enveloped in darkness. This is how stories begin. Stories begin in the dark. In our portrayal of stories in the theater or in film, almost every movie or play begins in the dark. Films begin with a dark screen. On stage, since curtains are rarely used, when's the last time you saw a play with curtains? Bringing up the lights on a darkened stage has become the primary way that you know the performance is beginning. Lights Up is the direction at the opening of each and every scene. But imagine expecting the lights to come up, but they don't. And the stage, the film, continues in darkness. The British playwright Peter Schaffer, who is known for his Mozart-themed play, that was made into an Oscar-winning movie called Amadeus, wrote a play in the 1960s called Black Comedy. I remember seeing this play when I was a senior in high school at a local college, and I've remembered it ever since. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. In this play, the lights, in fact, do not come up when the play begins. At the beginning of the play, the audience peers onto a dark stage as the actors begin the scene, moving around and speaking to each other as if the lights are on. But it's totally dark. And then you hear from their dialogue and you hear offstage that there is a power outage. And when the lights go out in their world, the lights on stage come up, bright and full. And mind you, it is a farce, which means it's an uproariously hilarious comedy of absurd proportions. And what you do is you see the actors in plain view acting as if they can't see in the pitch black. And it's a comedy because, because the main characters have, have basically borrowed some furniture from their neighbor apartment... Uh, with their neighbor being gone in order to impress a client who's coming over to their apartment. And then during this power outage, their neighbor comes back and you see them. They stumble and, and, and they, they smash into things. They, they trip over the sofa and it's, it's incredible. They, they talk with each other not knowing that the person they're talking about is right here. And, and it's an incredible challenge for the actors to act that way. In fact, when it premiered in London in 1965, some of the greatest actors of our lifetime were in that original cast. Albert Finney, Maggie Smith, and Derek Jacobi, to name a few. Like I said, this play about people stumbling in the darkness where you see that happen on stage is uproariously funny. But the idea of people stumbling in the dark is a more serious matter. How might we stumble in the dark? What do we think of when we hear that phrase? What does it look like as as people live without the enlightening wisdom that they need? Does it look like despair? Does it look like Depression, does it look like broken relationships? How does the human drama unfold on a world stage in such darkness as we long for light, but sometimes find it hard to escape the shadows? Do we see it in oppression, that, that the people underneath the powerful cannot escape? Do we see it in times of war? Do we see it when families are uprooted? What was the experience of God's people who were waiting for a Savior? The people who were walking in darkness and living in the land of deep darkness. The primary place we go to to discover this is the Old Testament. The scene that the Savior enters is described there. In chapter 9, Isaiah famously sets the stage for the entrance of the Savior. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This theme is present throughout Isaiah, but particularly so in the prophecy from Isaiah 49 that we read today. Rereading verses 8 and 9. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people. To restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out. And to those in darkness, be free. The day of salvation... That God's people were looking for was a day that would bring them freedom. In Advent, we sing Charles Wesley's time-tested, famous lyrics. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Setting people free is what salvation is all about in hebrew the word for salvation here is one that will that you'll probably notice yeshua salvation yeshua that is what god's people are looking for. They're looking for God to bring Yeshua. God began the work of Yeshua in the life of of his chosen people when he saved them, freed them from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. They were escorted into the promised land with under the leadership of of one called by God to be an agent of their salvation and deliverance. The original agent was Moses. And his leadership was handed off to Joshua. Yeshua. 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 Would you hazard a guess at what Jesus' name was in Hebrew? Yeshua. Yeshua. So, some of you might wonder, wait a minute, isn't Advent about welcoming Jesus into the world? We just have a painting up front that says the word Savior. That is Jesus' name. We'll encounter that in two weeks when we read from Matthew's gospel, the angel appearing to, to Joseph in a dream where the angel says, and you shall name him Jesus for he will, what? Save his people from their sins. His, word, his name means God saves. And God saves his people From real life predicaments, one of the differences in the word salvation, when you compare its presence in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is in the New Testament, it's it's fully built up on the other side of, of Jesus' saving work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so, so much of what we read in the New Testament is fully kind of helping us understand salvation in the event of Jesus. But if you look back in the Old Testament with, this, with the way God worked salvation, it was always saving his people from real-life predicaments. This isn't just something in your head, right? His people were enslaved for generations under a major world power with seemingly, from the world's perspective, no hope. And God saved them. Saved them not by just reestablishing uh, a sense of well-being within their minds and hearts as they continued to make bricks for the Pharaoh, but actually freed them, brought them to a land where they could live in Freedom. And when we meet the words of the prophet Isaiah, we are encountering another great moment in the salvation of God, another area of salvation that is not just in the minds of God's people, but is a real-life situation. They have been displaced. All of the promise of of God seem like they're in the rearview mirror and that it just didn't work out. Have you ever felt that way about your life? You had plans once. You had hopes and dreams. But in one way or the other, they're in the rearview mirror and you don't see any of that happening. That's the way God's people felt when they were in exile. Jerusalem had been destroyed. Those who survived this time were carted off to another land to live there. And yet, this is where God speaks a word through the prophet Isaiah to speak to God's people who are in exile. And the word God speaks is a word of salvation and light. They are longing for the light of God's salvation. And what we learn in Isaiah especially in this text, but not just this text from Isaiah 49, is that light is equated with restored relationship. That's what it means to have the light. Darkness is when there's been a divide in a relationship. When you feel ghosted when you wonder if someone cares or even knows you're alive anymore, that's dark. It was dark for God's people. They struggled with that. And this word from Isaiah was simply that God does not forget you. In spite of how things look, in spite of the darkness, God does not forget you and God will bring light to you. verses 13 through 15. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will com- have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion, and that's a word for Israel, God's people, said, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord, I mean forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And the prophet comes back with these words Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Throughout this chapter, we learn that the message of the coming of the Savior is a message of bringing God's people back to Himself, to gather them to Himself, to restore the relationship. And this will have the effect of of active comfort and compassion this is what god's people need and they're longing for from god recently i've been uh reminded from conversations with families in our church whose kids are at that age where where they're learning to sleep in the dark on their own. And what a powerfully important time in our development that is and was. Because I'm speaking to people who have gone through that phase. And the truth is that it is such a formative time in our lives that when... There are doubts about our attachment to our parents, to those who who love us and care for us, in our vulnerability, true vulnerability, when we're that age, that things that happen in that time, if they are dark things in the darkness, if we truly are rejected in those moments, that stays with us throughout our lives. And yet the powerful moment, I have to just remember when I'm I'm remembering how tired young parents can get, and I can kind of see it in the eyes of some parents some, some days, just how important this work is, just how vital this work is to our kids, is to be there. And to make sure that they know that they are not forgotten, that they are not forsaken in the middle of the night. That as they explore what it means to live in a world that can be dark, where we can have feelings of fear, where we wonder if we are abandoned, if we'll ever see our loved ones again, that we learn how, we learn that people love us and we, we are set up to understand God's love for us. Fear and emotional insecurity is the root of a lot of darkness in our world. And yet, it's also the point at which the Savior enters the picture. It's the scene that the Savior enters. In our brief statement of faith in the Presbyterian Church USA, we've gathered this verse from Isaiah and and included another reference uh, from the Gospels. A uh, parable that Jesus told. In, in sharing about the love. The indefatigable love of God. For God's people. In everlasting love we read. The God of Abraham and Sarah. Chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry. God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still. God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. We're reminded that God is the faithful one, the one from whom we experience perfect love. In our text, you might have noticed that the prophet shares these words from God that says, like, can a mother forget her child? And then brings reality to it. And in a sense, answers the question by saying, though she may forget, I will not forget you. Even when our parents might forget us, might fail, even when I have failed, In sharing love with those who God has placed in my life to care for and to nurture. And all of us, even though we may forget, God does not forget us. God is the source of that perfect parental love. And salvation is about restoring us so that we might experience the comfort and the compassion of the God who will not forsake us. In a dark world, the Savior shines. Michael Card wrote a song called Emmanuel. This is a section of those lyrics. He writes, For all those who live in the shadow of death, a glorious light has dawned. For all those who stumble in the darkness, behold, your light has come. The Gospel of John highlights this aspect of salvation like no other. Introduces light as the essence of salvation, a central image of Jesus, the Savior. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus brings God's light into our darkness, in the world. This is who Jesus is. This is the saving work of Jesus. God bringing light into the world. Into those dark places of our own experience, into the place of fear and hurt and struggle and despair. As we see the lights begin to dim, Jesus breaks through and his light begins to illumine our life. He meets us in the darkness. And this light is meant for all the world. We read in verse 6 of Isaiah 49, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. We look at the scope. We think about the, the state of our world today. And we remember that Jesus is the light for all the nations. May that reminder influence the steps that we take faithfully, day by day, during this season of Advent. That we might, each and every day, take the darkness of our lives and those around us to really take it in And to remember that Jesus is here to bring light to that situation. That we might look at our world and see hopeless situations where it just seems so dark, and we put ourselves into the place of the people who are experiencing that, whether it's in Ukraine or whether it's in in Israel and Gaza. We don't know the answers, but we do know the light of the world who can bring light into the darkness. In conclusion, when light breaks into a dark room, its influence is immediate. What a difference even a small hopeful flame makes. We are gathered around our communion table today, where we encounter Jesus the Savior, the one who is the light. The light that overcame the darkness. The light that illumines the darkness of sin within our lives and moves it out so that we can be in relationship with the Savior, with God. The Savior enters the scene in a dark world bringing light. And the light from this table is bright. Our longing for light prepares us for receiving the Savior, for receiving the gift of the body that is given for us. The body that was given so that we might be restored in relationship with God and that we might live in hope. Amen.